You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Is God as you're seated, open your Bible at Genesis chapter 1. Good morning, family. Is everybody well? Blessed? Praise God. We, are come, we have come together today to remember what Jesus did for us almost 2,000 years ago. It's an amazing concept to think that the only reason Jesus was born was to die. Now the word does say that it's given unto man to die. Every one of us will die. But Jesus said, no one takes my life except I lay it down. Have you know, in his sinless state, if Jesus did not choose to go to the cross, he would still be alive today. Because there was no sin in him. Sin is what causes death. And he could not die for there was no sin in him. And yet he chose. He entered this earth for the purpose that he would have a body that would carry blood for you and for me. That's amazing. Think how God in all his power, who he is, he could live in eternity and just be on his own. Never need anything. He's fulfilled in himself. And yet his love compelled him to leave that behind. Why is it so important to God? Why is it that he made that choice? And this year, God has spoken to us about enhancing, eliminating, and expanding. We're talking about the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us that unto us a child was born, a son was given. You keep reading and it says, of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. No end of the increase of his kingdom. And as I was meditating on this plan of God for us to keep increasing, keep growing and expanding, what are we talking about? It's not just, you know, so we can be the biggest church in town, because this is not just the church, it's the whole church of God. Why is it that God wants his churches to grow. Why is it that he wants us to keep expanding? It's not about filling a building. It's not about getting more buildings. Those are all simply tools. What is it that God is so taken, so driven? It's all about giving out, giving out. Sometimes we think we love somebody and then they hurt us and then we stop. <laughs> that wasn't love. Because that was conditional on them being nice. Love is unconditional. Love cannot be explained when, why would you do that for that person? Do you know what they've done? Why should we give to them? They haven't done anything for us. Why should we? See, that, that, that's a selfish, that's not the love of God. God's love is, He doesn't care if, if no one ever, ever accepts Him. He would still have done what He did. Because he knows that the power of that love is what will draw man to him. God so loved the world that he gave his son. So love is about giving. It's not about taking and holding back and, 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 and destroying. And No, when he loved, it's because of their purpose. When God created man, he had a very specific plan in place. A very specific plan. 
Genesis chapter 1. We're going to talk about the plan, the problem, and the solution. Uh, there's always somehow when you study out the word, things seem to happen in threes. Now You can make it do that, but it just is the way it is. Amen. God, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The rest of creation into place. All the, everything on the earth, the animals, the birds, the, the, the fish, and every creature that you could imagine setting all the planets and stars in place and putting the whole of natural creation. And then he gets down to his purpose for man. Let us make man how? In our image, listen to this, according to our likeness. What's his plan for man? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God Blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice when God created man, He fully intended man to live the same way He does. Exactly the way He does. Not kind of like, or close to, or a subset of. Let us create man in our image, not similar to us. That first man was the express image of God. He was created to live exactly the way God does. Let us create man in our image, in our likeness, let them have dominion. God created man to have dominion over all of his creation. That is born out in Psalm chapter 8. We don't have time this morning to go there. But you go read Psalm chapter 8. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you created him. You created him just a little lower than God. And you ordained praise in him. For you've created him to have dominion over all the work of your hand. God wanted a family. He wasn't just going to be God to dominate everything that He is. He wanted somebody on His level. Why? Family, in every one of us is a desire to fellowship. Why do you think there's so many lonely people in the world? What does the word lonely mean? It means there's no one around me to love me. And then they try and look for answers in pets or in substances and we never find the true answer. Why? Because you can only fellowship with somebody on the same level as you. Uh, you know, you can go and drive out to the countryside, go find a field with a cow there and go and walk up to the cow and try and talk to it for a while. You know you're not going to get much back from it. You can only fellowship with a cow for so long. And then you start to feel empty. See, when you fellowship with anybody, you want somebody on your own level. God had all the angels around him, but who does he sit down with and says, who knows me? Who understands my world? Who sees things the way I see it? Who's going to understand what I'm doing? And he wanted a family. And he chose to put that family in this earth. 
and He ordained them to be able to operate this system the same way He does so that they can walk in fellowship. Hallelujah. That was God's plan, to have a family to be intimately involved with, to grow and expand and to watch His family expand His kingdom just the way He does. Having gone through all of creation, He then puts that same ability into the man and says, now you go do the same thing. Hallelujah. However, there was one lurking in the shadows. An evil one. One who didn't accept his place in heaven. One who walked with God. Was the one angel, the one that God trusted with the anointing. He's the only angel that we see in the word called the anointed cherub. The one who was given responsibility to administer that anointing of God. And yet it went to his head and made a choice that he wanted to be like God. I will ascend. I will take his throne. Oh, that didn't last a few seconds. Just boom, he's out of heaven. The Bible says like lightning he was destroyed and sent out. Took a third of the angels with him. And he entered into this earthly realm and he saw this creature, this man, this species that was on a God level. And then chose to go ahead and tempt him. You know the account how he went to the, the enemy, uh, went to man, the enemy went to man. And we see in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. This is the problem now which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, if you go and recall what God said, God said you will freely eat of anything in the garden. But there's one tree you do not eat from. Family of God, understand this. The enemy is continuously going to keep attacking us. And I know sometimes we don't want to hear that. If anyone told you now that you're a Christian, all your problems are over, they lied to you. That was a, that was a bad message. Right, now you've got the best life. Yes, you do. But it's got to be understanding that Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. I don't understand why the devil keeps attacking me. Well, are you born again? Yes. Do you have the word inside you? Satan comes immediately for the word's sake. It's like you've painted a big target on you. I believe the word of God. You've become a target. That's why some people try and keep quiet. They think if they stay quiet, the devil will stay away. That's a bad mistake. You know, if I don't ever mention anything about the word, maybe. No, that, that, that is a ticket to hell. That, that means you, then the devil doesn't even have to worry about you. I'll show you just now why. Because you understand that if you just leave it, just be quiet, clandestine. There's no such thing as a clandestine Christian. Undercover. Because that is a dangerous place to be. Your only redemption, your only protection is the word of God. 
But that's also why it's important not to have just a, a, a form of the word, just a religious enough little things on a Sunday, just enough to say, I went to church and I heard a bit of the Bible because this is exactly what he does. He comes along after God has given very clear instructions. He comes and he says, has God said, and notice how he twists the word ever so slightly, you won't eat of any of the trees. Right there was a misinterpretation of the word. Very close to what God said, but twisted. You will not eat of every tree of the garden. Verse two. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees. So now she's correcting him. We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. It is written. Now, it wasn't written yet, but you understand what I'm saying. God has said. But now again, go study it out. You'll notice that God only said, you shall not eat of it. He didn't say anything about touching it. Didn't he say, you need to tend all the trees? They're going to look off that tree. They're going to have to go and touch it somewhere. But God didn't say, don't touch it. So you can go from one ditch to the other. You can go from the ditch of ignorance to not knowing what God said. God Did God say the enemy wants to test your knowledge of the word? Is this what God said? And when she corrected him, he said, no, 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 that's not what God, God said this, but then go the other way and start putting in extra. God said we may not eat it or touch it. Hallelujah. Now, hang on, that's still a twist of the scripture. Family of God, we must be accurate in our understanding of the word. This is why it's important where you go to church because it's not just about hearing about the Bible. You have to know why it's written that way. When God says it this way, there's purpose behind the way it's written. And how you quote it is very, very important. We can quote scripture, which we think is scripture, but if there's just a little twist in it, it loses its power. Because watch what happened. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. I know God said it, but hang on, let's be reasonable. I know it says that, but you know, this is an old book. This was written by shepherds walking in a desert somewhere. You know, this was, this were uneducated people. This was, the times are different. Uh, this, this is a modern world. Things have changed. I know God said but really, did he mean that? Because, you know, if he really meant that, then no, I, I don't think there's really a hell. I know the Bible says that, but it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's figurative. Uh, yes, I know the Bible says those, but maybe those verses don't really mean that. Maybe, you know, what he does, he starts to manipulate in the head realm, the thinking realm. You won't really die. God knows. God knows. God's love. God is love. He'll never send anyone to hell. You know, God, God's so good. He, uh, no, he's not sending anyone to hell. It's our own sin that sends us there. If, we, if you are in flesh, you've sinned. And if you've sinned and haven't given your life to Jesus, you're going to hell. We were all going to hell. But thank God for the word that got us out of that. 
Because God knows the day you eat it in your eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You will be like God. You will be like God. And so the woman saw the tree was good. It was pleasant to their eyes. A tree that's desirable to make one wise. See, family God, whatever this world has to offer is a counterfeit that the enemy will try and point out you don't have because God's trying to make you walk this tight line. You know, if you become a Christian, you've got to give that up. If you go, if you go to church, you've got to stop doing this. And if you, if you serve God, then you won't be able to do that anymore. And just think of the fun you could be doing over there, but the Christians aren't allowed to do that now. You could have the wealth, you could have the millions, you can have the, the glory of this world. But that's the problem. When you offer the glory of this world, there's a cost to pay. Adam was created in the image of God. He's already like God. He's already like God. And this woman says, maybe this enemy has a point. So she took of its fruit and she ate it. She bought into the lie. She gave it to her husband with her and he ate. She gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Now notice, it says here, the woman saw that the tree was good. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 14 says that Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now that scripture has been so abused by religion that said, you see that? The man didn't make the mistake. It was the woman's fault. And using that have tried to subjugate women. Men are dominant because they didn't give in. They, they were, they, no, they didn't fail. But the woman was deceived. Now, family, deception is a very dangerous thing. We've got to understand this. Because if we don't understand deception, we can be deceived ourselves. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your now he's writing to Christians who are already saved. So he's not talking about saving you for heaven, saving you out of hell. The mind is where the enemy works. That's where he's going to come and try and tempt you. Did God really say? Are you sure God said? Isn't there something he's leaving out of the equation? If you didn't do all these rules, maybe your life would be better. If you didn't have to give all of that money, maybe you could have gone and bought the house by now. If you didn't have to be in all those meetings, you could have been more successful over here. If you didn't have to go, are you with me? There's all these other things. You could have had such a better life. That was all happening in the soul realm, the mind. So how do you protect yourself when the enemy comes with a twisted scripture? You receive with meekness the implanted word, the implanted word, the implanted word. What's that mean? The word is taken into the depths of your spirit. 
and then be doers of the word and not hearers only. What happens if you're a hearer only? You deceive yourself. This isn't even the devil deceiving. The devil doesn't mind if you go to church and sit here and hear the word. That's not what bothers him. All those Christians going to church, that must really upset the devil. No, he doesn't mind. You have a room full of people, get a bless me club. But when they leave the door, live like the world. The devil says, well, that bunch I can leave. Because you see, the devil's not omnipresent. So he's got limited personnel. And he has to assign his demons to certain people. So if he sees a Christian hearing the word and then leaving this place and not doing anything with it, he says, I can take his demon. And that guy deceives himself. He doesn't need a demon for that. And so he can take that demon and give it to somebody who's doing the work of God. And he says, well, at least I don't have the devil anymore. No, that's deception. If, <laughs> if you don't come up against the devil, wonder if you're going the same direction as him. <laughs> Amen. Because the enemy is going to try and take you down for the word's sake. But we strengthen ourselves here so we don't have to let that happen. The point I'm making is the one that hears the word and doesn't do it will deceive themselves. What happened to Eve? She heard the word and she twisted it. She was deceived by the enemy. I said she was deceived. I said she was, she had deception given to her. The man Heard it. Go have a look here. Go back to verse 6 of Genesis 1. The woman saw the tree was good. She took of it fruit and ate. Then she gave to her husband. Where was he? Where was he? Where was he? So he heard the whole conversation go down. Aha. Uh -huh. Wasn't like he was somewhere else in the garden. And then she came along and said, honey, eat this. And he went, wow, she's giving me food. And he ate it. He didn't know what was going on. No, he was right there. He saw exactly what was happening. But the problem, having heard the word, he didn't do anything with it. So he wasn't deceived. He deceived himself. That's got to be one of the most stupid places of deception. When someone else deceives you, you can claim ignorance. But deceiving yourself, oh, give me a break. But how many people are doing that simply by the fact they hear the word and don't do it? So what happened? The whole thing crashed. And God goes on and he describes now the curses entered in because of that deception. But he has a solution. I said, God has a solution. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. 
They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What's he doing? Come to visit his family. Come to fellowship. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Family sin always brings shame. You know for a fact, you know what's right and wrong. How often have we done something and right at that moment we feel, how did I do that? How could I do that? I'm supposed to be a Christian. How do I ever go back into God's presence now? And we hide ourselves. And that's exactly the danger. That's what the enemy wants. Separate you from your father. Don't allow that to happen. Yeah, God enters the garden and he's looking for his man. And what happens? Adam hides. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now we are talking about an omnipresent, omniscient God. What does that mean? It's just the big words for meaning he's everywhere at the same time. So if Adam hides behind a tree, God's right there. He knows everything. David said, where are you going to find me? I can be in the, in the highest or in the depths of hell, you'll still find me. No matter where you are, God knows where you are. He knows where you are. But where are you? Those are two different questions. Those are two different statements. The one speaks a geographical location. God knew exactly where his body was. But Adam, where are you? You are not your body. You are spirit. I can see your body behind that tree, really. I mean, how many of you ever had played hide and seek with your kids when they were little? Daddy, come find me. And you come in, there's the toes and the curtains and, and they hee-hee-hee-hee-hee. And we go, where, where are you, Joshy? Where are you, Josh? Where are you, where are you Josh? Hey. We still play that now and then. <laughs> Josh is, no, 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 no. God wasn't asking, I see you behind the tree there. Like, give me a break. You're really going to hide from me? No, where are you? Where are you at this moment? Where are you? Adam, we're supposed to be in fellowship. We're supposed to be in covenant. I created you to be just like me, to rule and reign this planet. And something's happened. Something's broken that. Something separated you from me. Where are you? And that may be a question we need to ask ourselves today. Where are we where God is? Yes, you know God. Yes, you know where to go to church. Yes, you can say I'm a Christian. Yes, I listen to the Word every Sunday. But where is your relationship with the Father? Are we intimate? Are we walking intimately with the Father? Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice. I heard your voice. I heard your voice. Family, no matter where you are, you will always hear his voice. 
no matter how far you think you've dropped, stop and listen. You will hear His voice. I hear your voice. And I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, family of God, how many of you know that when Adam was created, he didn't have clothing, but he did have eyes. Those eyes could see. And yet, when he looked at himself and his wife, he never saw naked. I don't have time to get into it today, but you go study it out, you'll notice that when God created man, he crowned him with glory. Every other animal on the planet is created with its own clothes. Think about that. Every animal has clothes built into it. God would not have done anything different with the body he gave his man. It had inbuilt clothing, the glory of God. So when Adam looked upon his wife, he saw glory, nothing else. But the moment he sinned, that glory departed. And now they were exposed. I don't think Adam was talking about I can see my flesh. I now see I'm exposed without you. I'm exposed without your presence. Of course, the natural is there. He would have seen that because then he sows fig leaves. But that is just an attempt to use our own flesh to cover up what only God can cover. Man has for centuries tried to fix their own sin. That's where all other religions are born. It's an attempt to fix sin. But man can't fix his own sin. I said man cannot fix his own sin. Here this man is exposed and God knows exactly why. You broke covenant. But I have a solution. The man said the woman who you gave to me she gave me the tree and I ate. Don't try and blame someone else for your sin. Remember, he made the decision, an open decision. He was right there. He heard the conversation, but he chose not to act on the word. Now he wants to blame someone else. And so God says to the woman, what is this thing that you've done? And the woman said, it's the serpent that deceived me. The devil made me do it. I know we've never said that, hey? <laughs> but the devil made me do it. Notice the man, what have you done? It's the woman. The woman, what have you done? It's the serpent. And so the serpent looks around, there's no one to blame. And God addresses him, verse 14. So the Lord said to the serpent, because this because you've done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. 
And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, listen to this now, and between your seed and her seed. Her seed? Her seed? Woman don't carry seed. Men carry seed. But God is speaking prophetically. He's calling the solution. I'll put enmity between you and her seed. There is one coming. Now remember, we look at Mark chapter 4, where it says that the, when the seed is sown, the cross-reference in Luke is the Word of God is the seed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That Word became flesh. How? Through the woman. The seed that would be planted within her when the Holy Spirit comes and says, you shall bear a son. And she says, how can this be? For I've not, had, I've not been with a man. I haven't got seed from a man. But the Holy Spirit says, you, will bear, you don't need a man's seed. I have spoken and you will fall pregnant. She said, according to your Word, your seed, let it be. It was the seed of God spoken into the heart of the woman, believing it, receiving it, and speaking it. Isn't it interesting that the first woman was deceived with the <laughs> where the first man fell, but now to bring the last Adam into the earth, God once again addresses a woman, and instead of her questioning the Word, instead of her twisting the Word, instead of her making her own Word, she says, a According to your word, let it be. And the seed was birthed. Her seed. Her seed. The word believed and spoken as said by God. And that seed will become flesh. And he will bruise your head as you bruise his heel. What's he talking about? You're going to try and attack him just exactly the same way as you came against this man, the first man. But I'm sending a man. That man will stand against you. And you're going to come up with a way ordained by God, prophesied to be, but God knew it before time. And you're going to try and crush him the same way you crushed this man right here. Bring the same deceptions. Bring the same attacks. Bring the same temptations. And you will try and get him to a place where you try and destroy him. But that very thing you use to try and destroy him. He will take that exact weapon and He will destroy you. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can get a hold of that. Family, that cross was a mystery to the devil. The Word of God says, had the prince of this world known, he would never have crucified Jesus. There it's spoken in clear, clear writing. God already spoke, he dressed 
the enemy directly, you will try and take him down by striking at his heel. He will use that heel to crush your head. But in that moment, when he thought he had Jesus and got him to that cross and destroyed him on that cross, he thought he had stopped the word the same way he stopped that first Adam. He thought, now I've stopped this one. And he thought, if I can kill him, Yari is spreading the word to all these disciples, but if I strike him, I'll scatter the sheep. I'll scatter the disciples. And he thought he had him on that cross. When you look back at it, don't you think the devil thought, still today thinks, what was I thinking? How stupid. Because the moment Jesus died on that cross, the enemy thought, I've got him. He died, blood emptied out of his body, gave up his spirit. It is finished. Separated from the Father. Paying the price for sin, never having sinned, but taking sin itself. And in the death of that sin, the devil must have thought, I got him. I got him. This actually worked. But Sunday's coming. Come on, give Jesus praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. And from that moment, moved into the three-part plan to enhance, to eliminate, to expand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many are you ready for that? I'm going to show you that three-part plan. Enhance, expand, eliminate. It is written into the plan of redemption. It's not just some words that God gave up and gave to us. No, this is how He's been doing it all these years. It may be Friday. But Sunday's coming. Amen. Come on, give Jesus praise and glory.